from my experience and from speaking to a lot of women who work in the sector, I think one of the, the key things is to be your authentic self. It's not just theoretical to say we want equality. It takes action. So we can attract many more different people into the work that we're doing. Uh, and I'm definitely seeing that difference now. Um, but I would say that there is still quite a, a lot to be done. Just be ourselves, be kind, be confident. Let's help each other and become a better leader for everyone. Hello, and welcome to a series of podcasts that explores the future of England's road network, making it safer, smarter, and more reliable. And we'll be doing that by talking to the people who make those possibilities a reality. My name is Mel Clark and I'm Customer Service Director in Operations for National Highways. I'm also the Founder and Chairwoman of National Highways Leading Women's Network, which is pertinent as our theme for this podcast is supporting gender equality today for a sustainable tomorrow. My guests for this episode are Sue Percy, CBE Chief Executive of the Chartered Institution of Highways and Transportation, Hi Mel, good morning everyone. Anne Shaw, Executive Director at Transport for West Midlands. Good morning Mel. Loretta Borty, a PhD student at Birmingham City University. Hello. And Zhu Ying Wang, a PhD student at Cambridge University. Hello and good morning everyone. Thank you all for joining me here today. And it's a timely conversation as today is International Women's in Engineering Day. And the theme this year is Inventors and Innovators. So Loretta, as a female research student, innovating and inventing must be very close to your heart. Do you think it's important for the engineering and transport sectors themselves to drive gender equality? Well, thank you, Mel, for this question and thank you for having me here today. First, I'd like to say that, yes, um, it's very significant for in the engineering and transport sector to drive gender equality first of all, for representation purposes. You know, for every sector, um, we have definitely every human being, we have two people um, um, that's for sexes, we have male and female. And for gender, we have a lot of gender representations. But for there to be equal representation and for people to feel a belonging, a sense of belonging, it's very pertinent that socially, every gender must be given the opportunity to be included in a, in a very important sector such as engineering. The engineering and transport sector actually is one of the biggest sectors that drives GDP of every economy. Therefore, having every gender as part to be part of that sector would help in economic empowerment of each individual and in their livelihoods because everyone strives to have a, a, a better life, a, um, a better future, something that they could aspire to and be proud of. So if they feel a sense of belonging, a sense of representation, then it will give other people the ability to know that it is possible for them to also involve themselves in, in engineering. Currently, we have only 14.5% of women are engineers in the UK, according to the Women in Engineering survey done in 2021. It shows that only 14% of engineers are, are women. And this is quite um, very little compared to the huge percentage of men in engineering. 
And this could be because maybe there's not a lot of awareness when it comes to the ability of women to also be part of um, this sector. And uh, it seems for every woman that even with the data, uh, a girl from the ages of 11 to 14, only f uh, about 45% have um, considered a career in engineering. And when it gets higher to from 18 to 25, only about 18% would like to consider a career in engineering. This shows a, a really drastic drop as they go on. And what could be the factor for this? What could be the cause of this? Could it be that they do not feel that they have the ability to do it? Or do they feel they don't have a sense of belonging in that sector? Do they feel it's a man's world, therefore they cannot also have an impact there and they choose um, a road that they feel is more possible, is more feasible. So for the engineering and transport sector themselves to drive this equality, to drive this gender equality, to institute programs to, to have this form of equality could help girls also know that they have a sense of representation. They could see because what you see is what you believe. So when they see a lot of people who are like themselves there, then they would believe it is possible to also have that form of career for themselves. And also it's um, very pertinent to self-actualization. Imagine a, a, a lady or a, a, a girl child who wants to be um, an engineer not knowing what route to pass and not knowing if it is actually possible for them to have that form of career in engineering, then their self-actualization will not be realized because they do not know or they do not have the right information to delve into that career. So it's in, in, the, in the end, it creates that gap that needs to be filled, that gap of um, awareness, that gap of opportunities for all gender to actively participate in this sector. And this could be done by instituting different um, gender and inclusion programs, diversity and inclusion programs that could help and enable people to know that they could also feel a sense of um, belonging in whatever career path they choose in engineering and transport sector. Thank you. And I'm sure that resonates with you. What made you choose a role in this field and in your time as a senior leader at Transport for West Midlands? Have you seen a difference in the way that women can lead to tackle the challenges the industry is facing today? Yes, certainly what Loretta's just said absolutely does resonate with me. Like you say, 30 years of experience now. When I was at school, I had no idea what I wanted to do uh, and really didn't have any idea that engineering could be uh, a career that I, I could have. And uh, to be honest, I actually fell into it. Um, uh, when I finished university, I ended up working uh, for a local authority as a drainage engineer, actually, um, because my background is in environmental uh, science. Um, and obviously, thinking about uh, what I enjoyed at school, it was more to do with the science subjects. And I was probably one of four or five girls in my school uh, that did the three sciences and then went on to do A-levels and then went on to do uh, studies in biology 
uh, I'm not quite sure how that relates to highways, uh, but certainly uh, it's helped me uh, with my career as I've gone forward in that as well. Um, and I think uh, when I first started, you know, I was one of, uh, well, I was the only woman in the room uh, working on many projects, uh, working my way up from being a drainage technician, drainage engineer, and then uh, into highways. Uh, working with a, a local authority uh, and mainly working with developers in terms of constructing new highways uh, and uh, making access to developments um, uh, work uh, as part of that as well. Uh, and then trying to think about, well, how do I make sure that I can continue uh, my education around this as well? So I started to study uh, highways and traffic engineering, which I found fascinating, uh, and then went on to study sort of leadership courses as well. So how can I use my scientific background uh, in that space? Uh, uh, and then uh, ended up ultimately leading a whole team of engineers uh, um, uh, as well. And it certainly changed over that time uh, from going from being the only woman in the room uh, to obviously there's quite a few of us now as well and um, but also recognizing that working within this sector uh, there are many different facets uh, you need many different kinds of skills uh, to work uh, to build new transport infrastructure you need project managers uh, you need accountants uh, you, you need people who understand procurement uh, and you need people who understand that sort of the world of engineering uh, as well um, so we can attract many more different people into the work that we're doing uh, and i'm definitely seeing that difference now um, but i would say that there is still quite uh, a lot to be done uh, and more recently uh, i've been working uh, with the ministers on violence against women and girls um, uh, and then thinking about what is it uh, that we can do uh, to make our transport infrastructure safer for women and girls to do that? Because it actually, a little bit like what Loretta was saying, uh, having transport infrastructure that doesn't feel safe, it actually prevents women from taking up opportunities if they're worried about travelling uh, and being safe while they're travelling as well. And of course we want to make sure that people can take on any career uh, and transport plays a big, a big role in that. Um, but two of the, the things that came out of that was around our data and information. Uh, the way that we collect information about our transport infrastructure and how our transport infrastructure is used does not uh, give us any sort of granular information about women in particular. So what are those barriers for women uh, when moving around? Uh, and then also, uh, again, um, the other side of it was the, the importance of um, the design process as well. And very few women involved in the design process. Uh, so by default, the designs don't necessarily reflect what is uh, what would make it feel safer for women travelling around the network as well. So absolutely, there is still an awful lot more work to be done. Uh, and by having more women uh, on our engineering workforce, so those technical skills that are coming in, it will help us to sort of make sure that we're designing uh, infrastructure that is um, uh, helping people to move around, uh, making it feel safer for everybody uh, uh, that is using it as well. So I think that there is still quite a lot more for us to do to make sure that we are well represented uh, in the field. Uh, and of course it's people like me who need to make sure that we can advocate what those careers are, uh, to, uh, particularly to our younger population as well. Um, uh, and obviously we do quite a bit of work uh, in schools uh, locally, uh, trying to get people to sort of think about if they're taking those STEM subjects, what kind of career could that uh, resonate for them in the future? Uh, and just to try and uh, bring home the message that it's quite a diverse uh, transport in itself and highways, it's quite a diverse career as well, and some really interesting projects that people can work on. So the more we can do to encourage more women to be engineers, uh, and all of the other skills that wrap around that for us to sort of develop and uh, deliver and maintain our uh, transport infrastructure is going to be really worthwhile.
So Sue, you've been with the Chartered Institution of Highways and Transportation for more than 10 years now. What motivated you to that role and what keeps you doing the work you do? Great. It's a great question, Mel. And um, I was sort of reflecting um, on this the other day. And um, in terms of my career, I've always been working in the built environment. So something that's always drawn me to actually building things, not always in transport, but certainly in, in planning and in infrastructure. And um, when I applied to the CIHT for the chief executive role, I was thinking, well, you know, what, what interests me? And the, the thing that interests me, and this is now over 10 years ago, is that transport is at the core of so many things. It's the glue that actually brings our infrastructure built environment together. It means that we as people, goods, etc., move from A to B. We can go and visit our friends. We can get to work. We can have our goods delivered to us. So it's absolutely fundal, so it's fundamental. And for me, it's around being able to make a difference, to actually make transport better, better for everybody. So serving everybody's needs and also delivering public benefits. So that was a huge motivation for why I applied for the role um, that I did. And when I, when I arrived at the Chartered Institution of Highways and Transportation, I went to many meetings and I suddenly realised I was really the only woman in most of the meetings. And I kept thinking, well, well why, why is this? This is such a brilliant career. This is such a brilliant profession. So why am I only one of the women in, in the room? And clearly it dawned on me that this was a, a sector of profession that was very male dominated, um, very, very white as well. And I thought, well, crikey, this is something you need to do something about. So I like a challenge. Didn't realise quite how big the challenge was going to be. Um, but um, sort of it really started to embrace that and thinking, actually, I want to do something about this. I want to sort of change this so that we have much better representation from women, for example, in, in transport. So some of the things that Loretta and, and Anne have already mentioned around representation, about role models, for example, about being and bringing people in uh, because it's such a, a fantastic career, were things that sort of motivated me to think we can, we can make a difference. And making a difference meant that now, in terms of our new members coming into our institution, um, for women, it's now moved up to 23%. It was much lower than that when, you know, 10 years ago. We've still got a long way to go. We still need to do an awful lot more. But actually, things are changing, and, and that's for the better. And the sector is recognising the benefits of having a much more diverse and inclusive um, environment in which to work. So things like designing our infrastructure, our, our highways and our transport um, by, by women and men is so important. And, and Anne has actually touched on that. Um, and it means that actually we have transport and highways that are much more meaningful for everybody, are usable by everybody. And if you look at things just like active travel, making that much more inclusive for everybody. So 
the thing that keeps on motivating me is that actually this is so important. You can't leave it to one side. You must get in there. You must roll your sleeves up. And um, given the role that I have as a chief executive, it means that I can not only try and, and be a role model, but also I can influence. I can sort of shape things as well. And I've been very lucky that my board, my leadership board, has been really supportive of this. So that um, once I sort of started on, on this agenda, we brought in um, not only a toolkit for the profession, we brought in um, values uh, in terms of how we operate as an institution. We have now um, just um, um, our values include inclusivity. It also means that when we have a new strategy that we launched at the beginning of the year, um, EDI, so um, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion, is one of three key uh, themes that run across everything that we do. So we're trying to mainstream it into all our activities so it's not seen as just something that is you know tacked on um, in perhaps the sort of HR function that it's actually something across the whole of the sector. So there's still a lot more to do. There is progress um, and there's pockets of brilliant practice. But actually, when you look at some of the matrix and, and Loretta sort of uh, touched on that in terms of statistics and engineering, um, we still have a long way to go. So I think for me, that's one of the motivations to see if we can actually accelerate our progress over the next few years. And so what other approaches have been driven or shaped by your experiences as a woman in that industry? As an organisation, the thing that's changed, and I think as engineers, we get fixated on matrix, so numbers, um, and having targets, being able to measure them, monitor them, report on them is absolutely critical. But the thing that's really going to shift the dial is behaviours and culture. And um, that's where I think we need to really sort of concentrate our efforts as well. So really changing the culture of the sector, of the organisations that we work in, so that our behaviours, the way that we go about things, also uh, represent a more inclusive and diverse um, um, you know, organisation. Because we, as engineers, love numbers, love statistics. But some of this is that intangible, that feeling, that, that feeling of belonging. And I think, Loretta, you were starting to, to talk about that. And that's where I think we, we need to sort of focus our attention as well. So um, there's plenty, plenty of things that we have to, we do do, we can do. But I think that sort of culture and behaviour change is absolutely critical. And I don't want us to lose sight of that. So Su Ying, you're currently finishing your PhD at Cambridge University and have been viewing the industry through that lens. From your experiences so far, what more can companies and industry bodies do to empower women so that they can step into those leadership roles? Well, thanks for the question. Uh, as Mel introduced, I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Cambridge. And um, as a student, I have also been spending my time as a Grand Challenge Scholar of the National Academy of Engineering in the US. And during my studies, I have been focusing on uh, researching the future infrastructures and built environment, which my uh, research project collaborates with national highways. And it's a perfect combination of the cross-disciplinary skill set in my um, civil structure engineering and material science. 
as a student, I have been going to industry events, university seminars, workshops uh, for preparing myself to get ready to be an infrastructure professional that can meet the most complex emerging challenges and contribute effectively to better infrastructure decision making, not only in the UK, but as a person born raised in mainland China, also from a global perspective. While going to that event, I found most of the time there are men in engineering. I still remember when I was invited to attend the geotechnical lecture 2021 del delivered by my supervisor, Professor Stuart Hay. When I stepped into the room, I found that there are only, I am the only woman in the room, which is quite surprising. Uh, yet I am as a student of my supervisor, not as someone from the industry. Moreover, when I Google famous female in the Google and you race through the automatic suggestion results, the job title of them are usually singers, actors, artists, etc. The only word that is missing is engineer. So I think it will be definitely helpful to have some access to role models, just like Mel, Sue, and Anne. And also, if I could see more people, female people as leadership, successful leader, in the engineering industry from the past before me, it will make it really easy, an easier journey for me. And therefore, I think it's really important for both the universities, educational institutions, companies, and industry bodies to create the right environment for women, to take a chance of women in leadership positions and make sure that they are well represented on the board, allow them to speak on event panels and develop their own professional networks and moreover, to give them every opportunity they need in order to succeed. And in turn, they can help other women to succeed as well. So that's my answer to the question. Thank you very much. And finally, as a question to the whole panel to bring our discussion today to a close, what's your advice for any woman listening today who aspires to be a leader in the industry? So that question to Loretta first. Well, I've always had the saying that when it comes to engineering, or gender equality, it's not really about men versus women, but rather women with men or men with women. It's not even about having a 50-50 um, representation. It's just about having every woman who wants or has the aspiration of being an engineer or being in any career have that opportunity to make that dream a reality. So I'd like to advise any woman or any girl who will be listening to me today, that it's not just theoretical to say we want equality. It takes action, and that action should come from us. We should be able to delve into whatever we want to do and have our, our aspirations actualized. We want to see girls having that opportunity to be represented in the engineering sector and have role models that they could look up to and know that they are represented fairly and they, they, they have the ability to um, aspire to be anything they want to be. So my advice today to any girl is that there's nothing impossible, especially when it comes to engineering. There's absolutely no difficulty when it comes to anything concerning gender. So far as a man can do it, a woman can do it and do it better. That's what I'll say about it. Thank you. Thanks, Loretta. And Anne? So if I was going to give myself advice 30 years ago, I think it's believe in yourself 
everything is possible and obviously you still need to work hard uh, to achieve that as well so keep going um, the other thing as well is also to find your advocates your supporters both male and female I've had a lot of people who've inspired me and also supported me over my career um, some really great men as well who've seen that ability and and to help me to push myself uh, as well um, and I think the other thing is is don't be afraid if you don't understand something don't be afraid to ask questions it's not a mark of whether or not uh, you know better than other people actually it's how you learn so asking questions uh, is all part of that uh, and then I was just listening to what Sue was saying about cultures and behaviors uh, as well because uh, actually this is something even now in my career I, I think there is still um, some issues with uh, some of the cultures and behaviours of other organisations that we work with. I think I've been very fortunate in the organisations that I work for in the public sector that actually we've been doing this for some time. Um, but there are other organisations now where it's not so, so the case. So I think um, being able to challenge, in a positive way, challenge those cultures and behaviours for the people that you work and partner with uh, and call it out uh, to make sure that not just you but other people who are following behind you uh, can be comfortable where they're working and the people that they're working with as well. Thank you, Anne. And Sue? From my experience and from speaking to a lot of women who work in the sector, I think one of the, the key things is to be your authentic self. I think that's so important. Bring yourself to the table and don't be apologetic about it. Champion it, celebrate it, because diversity, whether it's gender diversity or anything else, you bring lots of different things to the table in terms of the way we think, the way we approach things. So be your authentic self. Um, equally, um, make sure you've got allies around you who will also support you, lift you up when you got, get knocked down because we all get knocked down. So you need people to really lift you, you, lift, you, lift you up as well. To also champion others. I think it's so important that I have come across um, um, in, in, certainly in my career when sometimes women have made it to the top and then they sort of, it's been such an effort that they've drawn the drawbridge up a little bit, um, perhaps not intentionally, but you know, one of the roles that all of us can do is really champion others and bring people along with us as well. And equally, I would say celebrate our success, embrace the, the fantastic things that we do and put yourself forward. Um, don't let others get in there. Get your elbows out, make a little bit of room for yourself and put yourself forward. And the other thing I think we all need, whether you're a man or a woman, you need resilience in our sector as well. So have some resilience some confidence and put yourself forward and, and just go for it. Thank you, Sue. And finally, Yi Ying. I would say that becoming a leader as a woman can be hard. So be prepared that people will not give you the same trust they gave males. And while this is the reality of our time, but even though the road to success is hard, it will be worth it. So I encourage all the listeners, the students who are similar as me, ready to step into the industry to listen, learn, and network to gain knowledge and experience. Just be ourselves, be kind, be confident. Let's help each other and become a better leader for everyone. Thank you, Yi Inspiring words indeed. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank all of our panelists today, Sue Percy, Anne Shaw, Loretta Borty, and Zhu Ying Wang. And thank you too for listening to this episode. Until next time, goodbye.
This is a National Highways podcast. For more information, visit nationalhighways.co.uk.